Welcome to Weird Kid Video. I'm Cameron Snape, and I miss video stores so much I opened one in my own home, packed with the VHS tapes of the trash cinema I grew up watching at a highly inappropriate age. Every week, I force my co-hosts, Kira Jade Oppitz and Brody McDonald, to sit through a movie for us to discuss. So come on in, have a look around, and sign up for a membership. There are no late fees, but unreturned tapes are programmed to start singing Umbop out of key every hour on the hour. This is Weird Kid Video. Old business? Old, old business. business. I have old business. Oh, Nobody yeah? else has any old business. Go for it's it. exciting. I have some old business, but it can wait. It can wait? Or do you want to go first? No, you go first. We got a review. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> we finally oh, got a fuck. review. So Brody has to tell us one of his deepest, darkest secrets. <laughs> now or at the end? <laughs> well, you can hear the review first and then decide what you want to do. <laughs> Yeah, let's do that. This person has called Nikki Beps or Beeps. I can't, I don't know, B-E-P-S, has reviewed <laughs> us three out of five stars on their five-star rating scale because the title of this review is I use a five-star rating scale also. The X-Files episode is one of the best you've done. It was short, succinct, and didn't have a breakdown of every shot in the movie. I think the solution to making this show work is to fire Brody and just stick with the two hosts. <laughs> So, so which one of you know that person? Um, we, don't know. we have no idea who, the, who it is. We actually theorized that maybe it was one of your friends, but then I thought, I don't think any of your friends that would mess with you would listen to the podcast all the way through enough to pick an episode and say it was good. My friends don't like me. <laughs> they follow on my shit. Uh, um, okay. Wow. So I have some hate. That's, that's lovely. That's lovely. That fits right in with the tone of this podcast. So just internalize that. Yep. Yep. Okay. I didn't and just realize, talk on that. I didn't realize the first bit of hate would be directly for me. I thought it would be more towards the podcast as a whole. Um, well, I mean, okay. technically they had a go at our format before they mentioned that they'd like you to be fired. But And my response to the, um, you know, not breaking down every single shot is that there are plenty of podcasts in the world that just talk in general about movies. So if that's kind of your style, you know, go find one of them, really. Yeah, because there's a lot. Also, I'm the one who just generally talks about random shit. Like, I, I don't, <laughs> I'm the one that should yeah, yeah. say. All right, so what am I doing? Darkest fear or darkest uh, secret? Oh, whichever you prefer, considering that the um, review was directed at you, I think it's a steal's choice. All right, give me till the end of the pod and I will come up with an honest one, an honest one. Okay. No, cool. no, dodging, no dodging what I've been promised, okay. what I have Everybody been promising. Everybody stay tuned for the end of the podcast. For Set up and pay off for the end of the yeah. podcast. <laughs> Check off stock a secret. <laughs> My bit of old business isn't actually old business. It's kind of like semi-new business. And this is just to let the audience know that this is the first time ever we are doing an online recording session because we couldn't all be together. Yeah, if you noticed a difference in audio quality, that's why. <laughs> yeah, I actually think it's kind of spooky that the very first <laughs> episode that we are doing on the internet is oh, about a movie yeah. in which there is a serial killer in the internet because I guess new business, <laughs> new business. This week, we're going to get confused about the difference between electricity and the internet or the data net or whatever. <laughs> we are talking about Ghost in the Machine from 1993. <laughs> 
now say that a local man in a car accident may have been the killer they've been hunting for the last three years. Five seconds, the total scan. What is it? This storm keeps surging the power. We're losing him. He's dying. Come on. Last night, a killer died. Where the hell did that go? His body was laid to rest. But his soul, that's impossible, has come online. This is going to be fun, Terry. Who is this? I'm killing your friends. Looks like there was someone else in there with us. The killer died in this hospital. And it was plugged into your computer. Something is coming after my son and my friends. There's no way anyone can kill somebody with a computer. Shred him. The board is up. He's not in the computer. You can't run. You can't hide. You can't win. in the machine plug in to your worst nightmare <laughs> that is the best way to describe this movie oh my oh, god oh shit oh my god <laughs> thank you ken oh you're very welcome oh um, wow um yeah like i said uh before we started recording i didn't take many notes for this pod um spoiler in a because like whether it's good or it's bad, I fucking fell into this movie and just watched it with my heart. Oh, good. I'm glad. Because I've spent way too much time delving into this movie this week. Because I felt like I fucking needed to understand what was happening. Oh, uh, mad. Many an interesting choice. Strap the fuck in, kids. <laughs> I'm so keen. Directed by Rachel Talley, uh, our first female director on the pod. Right. Oh, really? Yeah. In this era, in the era of movies that we are watching, there are very few prominent female directors. Sorry, what kind of time do like female directors really start coming into the industry? Is that this kind of era? Now. Or earlier? Yeah. I mean, right, yeah. So early early film, the some of the pioneers of film were women. Mary Pickford, she started United Artists with Charlie Chaplin and, and, and some other filmmakers. So early, okay. women were more involved in early film. And then, of no. course, men, men took over the industry. Oh, you can make money from this? Oh, us white males will take it off your hands for you. Don't worry. Yeah. And so there's still a great disparity in terms of the, the number of men and the number of women who direct. Uh, as I'm about to talk about, Rachel Talley had to deal with that her entire career. That sucks. So, and her career is kind of fascinating. So I've known about her since I was a little kid, but in order to kind of check my memory, I also went and did some background sourcing on her. And most of my information for this episode is from an EW.com article by Clark Collis, who is a pretty great writer and also occasional uh, screen drafts guest. Ah, cool. Um, And I'll link the article in the description. The article's from a few years ago, so it's not 100% up to date, but it did give me a good kind of like background. And there's some quotes of hers through through it as she kind of talks about the different stages of her career. So I'll um, I'll talk about those. So she got her start in maths at Yale okay. and was on the verge of taking a job at IBM, which is fuck 
fascinating considering this movie, when she decided instead to work as a production assistant on John Waters' 1981 cult movie, Polyester. So you guys probably don't really know who John Waters is. He's the king of camp. That name does sound familiar, but it could be somebody else's name. So he made like Crybaby and and Hairspray and responsible for a number of camp classics. Oh, maybe I do know that name. Yeah, Waters became her mentor and kind of took her under under his wing and then she ended up being an accountant at New Line Cinema right before it became the house that Freddie built. Oh. Mm. While she was at New Line, she rose through the ranks with the Nightmare on Elm Street movies until she became a producer on Rennie Harlan's Nightmare on Elm Street Part 4, The Dream Master. And while she was there, she also became a producer on Hairspray and Crybaby for John Waters. Her oh. feature film debut is Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare. <laughs> in oh, you've told me about that. And you can see that she brought a very kind of John Waters sense of humor to what was meant to be kind of Freddie's funeral. <laughs> um, they actually had a funeral for Freddie. They had an for Fred, they had an actual funeral for Freddie as a press event to promote the movie. <laughs> <laughs> That's mad. That movie was a hit at the time, although now it's not viewed with a great deal of esteem because it is one of the sillier entries. It's Freddie's basically. A cartoon character in that in that movie. I've never really understood what the appeal of Freddy was. Was it silly, campy horror, or was it like real? You don't horror? like Freddy? No, no, no. Not that I don't like him. I've just never really had an affinity for the franchise. You it's know, one of my favorite. If you think about it, like he was kind of over by the time that you guys got old enough to watch it. Yeah, exactly. And Kira, you've got me. Yeah. Yeah. So you've kind of seen it from my perspective. So he's kind of fallen out of the pop cultural kind of consciousness, right? I mean, everybody kind of knows who he is, but he was he was like an icon in the eighties. We'll talk more about Freddy Krueger when we eventually do a Nightmare on Elm Street movie. That's exciting. So exciting. It was my goal to do all of them, even though she had made a hit because she's a female genre director in the nineties. There was no follow-on offers for her to direct big movies. That fucking sucks, dudes. Fucking sexism sucks, guys. (laughs) (laughs) You think? You think that might be the case? After that, she directed this movie, Ghost in the Machine. Also not a hit. Is it not a hit? That's so surprising. Did not find an audience. (laughs) Shocked. So she decided to kind of take matters into her own hands and she optioned the underground comic book by Jamie Hewlett and Alan Martin, Tank Girl. Hey. Oh, shit. Which is a movie I fucking love. Oh, fuck. Yeah, I saw it a while ago. Yeah, the studio was not a fan of its sense of humor, and it also had a very troubled production. Massive action sequences were never shot. Most of the movie's more profane sense of humor was kind of sanded down so that it was a little safer. And when they had a finished product, they didn't have a finished movie, so they had to patch the movie together with animated sequences to make it make sense. (laughs) Right. So the version that exists is super compromised, but I still fucking love it. Yeah, I mean, it's you don't ironically love it too, hey? No, I like legitimately love it. Yeah, I don't think he love ironically loves anything. Yeah, yeah, true. No, no, no. I'm either in or I'm out. Yeah, you're a, you're a self-proclaimed hipster. There's no irony in it. You fucking love it. Talalay in the EW article says that she feels like Tank Girl was the precursor to Deadpool, that she was ahead of her time. And if we'd made it even four years later at the point where the South Park movie came out, it wouldn't, the studio wouldn't have been so frightened of it. 
<laughs> Which maybe if they're cool. Fucking agree, absolutely. Because I think wow, that yeah. now that movie would play like gangbusters. And I know that it has a it has a cult following because it's a fucking yeah. great movie. Uh, and of course, it flopped. It's on the list, absolutely, positively. And then after that, she ended up in movie jail. That's a theme. Yeah, she ended up moving to the to the UK, went back to producing, and wasn't able to ever get another feature off the ground. So she started to take work as a TV director. In the early 2000s, she moved back to the US and continued in TV on shows like Ally McBeal and... and Boston Public. Really? I love me some Boston Public. You know, I don't think I've ever seen it. That's the one with Shatner and Spade, yeah? No. <laughs> I'm thinking of Boston Legal. Yeah, you are. She struggled a lot with crews not respecting her because she was a woman. Ah, mm. fuck, that sucks. But she's always really been a kind of genre nerd. And in 2014, she became a director on the Moffat era of Doctor Who. Hey! And then Sherlock... Uh, Which Sherlock? Sherlock. Benedict Cumberbatch, the TV show. Oh, fuck, I love that show. Yeah, it's a good time. As well as having worked on The Flash, Legends of Tomorrow, Uh Supergirl, Riverdale. She is a nerd. Oh, so she fell into that group. Chilling Adventures of Sabrina and American Gods. More recently, finally directed another movie. In 2020, she directed A Babysitter's Guide to Monster Hunting for Netflix. Dope. Uh, which is like a kids monster gateway horror movie that I've not seen, yeah. that I've not seen, but like the trailer looked fun for kids. And I honestly think that she's another shot at making big movies because she's awesome. How old is yeah. she now? Ish. She is sixty four. Well, there you go. Yeah, she's got plenty of years to do some do some good features. How old Ridley now? Yeah, exactly. And Ridley only got into directing at what, like forty? Forty, yeah. Ridley's Lady 4, written by Will Davies, Ambersand, William Osborne, meaning that they were a writing team. They wrote it together. What was the Ambersand thing? I do not know that. Okay. No. So when you're watching a, a movie in the credits, if there are two writers' names and they're connected by an Ambersand, it means they were a writing team. Like on the same line? No, no, no. Not even on the same line. Just the just Ambersand. Just has an Ambersand. All oh, right, all right, right. Okay. If it is an and, A-N-D, it means that they were separate writers on the show, on the movie. That's mad. Why is that? I wish I knew the, the history behind that. I know you probably don't. <laughs> it's just Writers Guild stuff. It's just a way to recognize teams and then people that wrote separately or came on afterwards. I fucking love little minutia like that, hey. It's also why, why sometimes people get story by credits because they may have written an earlier version of the screenplay that was then dramatically rewritten by, by the a writer who came on later, but they still technically wrote the story. Yeah, cool, cool, cool. Right. There's all kinds of weird different rules about how writers have to be credited. So together they wrote Twins with Dean DeVito and Alan Schwarzenegger. Matt. Stop or My Mum Will Shoot, which I have a great story about that I'm going to come back to in a second. The Real McCoy, which is a Russell Mulcahy film. This movie, and then they split as a writing pair. Osborne would go on to write the Scorpion King and the Thunderbirds <laughs> movie. <laughs> his credits, yeah, right. His credits dry up in about 2004. While Davis started working with Rowan Atkinson on the Johnny English movies, he wrote all fucking however many of them they are. So there's a certain quality because the Johnny English ones weren't that great either. I <laughs> could not tell you. Not my thing. He was one of the credited writers on How to Train Your Dragon and is still working. Ah, so that was a good movie. You, know, you guys want to hear my stop or my or your mum will shoot story? Yeah, please. You guys know that movie? No. no. It's a Sylvester Stallone movie with Estelle Getty from the Golden Girls. 
the <laughs> older, the oldest of the Golden Girls. <laughs> okay. Okay. Where Stallone is playing a cop and she plays his overbearing mother that comes to stay with him and then meddles in his life. <laughs> that sounds like buddy. a fun time. So it's a buddy cop movie with a mum. On the cover of that movie, she is holding a machine gun. <laughs> and he is holding That's a, a he's holding a, a revolver. <laughs> Fuck yeah. That movie was made in 1992, which is at the height of both Stallone and Schwarzenegger's careers and competition with each other for box office and hits. Arnold told a story at Beyond Fest in 2017, which is a film festival they show like genre movies. And this is his story, right? Which is that they had traded back, they had traded box office wins back and forth for years. And because Arnold had been in Twins, which these guys wrote, the studio was interested in Arnold for Stop on My Mom Will Shoot. They send him the script, he reads the mm-hmm. script, and he hates it. He thinks it's fucking terrible. But again, because of Twins, it's a hot property in town, so people know about it. So as he tells it, he said to himself, I'm going to leak out that I have tremendous interest in this movie. And then he would ask for a lot of money so that the producers would go, well, let's take it to Sly and maybe we can get him cheaper. So they told Stallone, Schwarzenegger's interested. Here's the press clippings. He's talked about it. If you want to steal this one away from him, it's available. <laughs> and Stallone went for it. Oh, my God. Fuck a week hell. later, he saw in the trades that Stallone has signed up to do this movie. And Arnold's response was, yes. <laughs> Holy fuck. <laughs> Holy fuck. He, he used Stallone's ego against himself to get him to be in a shitty movie. He conned him into it. And Stallone has said, it's one of the worst mistakes I've ever made. <laughs> First of all, <laughs> when you said you had a story about this movie, I thought you were involved. <laughs> so when you started no. with Stallone and Schwarzenegger, I was like, where are we going with this? Yeah, no, we're pretty fucked. <laughs> well, money, I do get, I do get, um, Arnold Schwarzenegger sends me an email on a semi-frequent basis. Are you part of a club? I'm part of his newsletter, and it's amazing. <laughs> I, sign I bet up. it I is. Highly, highly recommend signing up to his emails. Sometimes it's just a little, little like motivational paragraph about like not giving up on your dreams. It's fucking amazing. I love who that man has turned into in old age. I love that shit. He is just fucking dope, man. Um, uh, but there are things about him that are that are like, yeah, I mean, right. But but is it, but he's also. As an old man, I think he's fucking adorable. Yeah, and he's got a mad sense of style as well. Starring Karen Allen as Terry Monroe, Marion Ravenwood in Raiders of the Lost Ark. It's her breakout role. Oh my God, it's so clear now that you say that. Before that, she had a smaller role in Animal House, Fuck John Landis. She's also in John Carpenter's Starman with the dude, Jeff Bridges. Mad. Scrooged with Bill Murray. She's Mrs. Smalls in The Sandlot Kids. She's the mum in the Sandlot Kids. Ah. Shit, she does not seem old enough to be the mum in that movie. How old is that movie? It's a year before this. Oh, shit. And then not much else that we would kind of talk about. Of course, she returned to play Marion Ravenwood again in that movie that I pretend doesn't exist. Yes. She still works, but not, again, not in anything that we'd talk about. Chris Mulkey as hacker Bram Walker. Bram. I love this man. Yeah, lots of credits. He's a cop in First Blood. The first Rambo movie. He's in 48 Hours with Eddie Murphy. 
The Hidden, which you fuckers rejected. Jack's back with James Spader. The we saw the trailer for that. That was the Jack the Ripper might be back in LA. Uh yeah. In the in the eighties. He's in Broken Arrow. He is a working actor. He's around in a lot of bigger movies, eh? Yeah, and even in the kind of like modern post our podcast era, uh Cloverfield, Whiplash, The Purge. Yeah. On TV, he was Hank Jennings in Twin Peaks, drink. Hey. <laughs> he also plays Hawk in the Wing Commander video games. Games I played cool. when I was a small child. Okay. Will his surname is kind of is gonna fuck me. Will Honef as Josh Monroe. The kid. The kid. Yeah. His first role is as Phillips, the preppy leader of the Little League team in the Sandlot Kids. Hey. He did this movie and then nothing else that would be of interest to us. That happens with child actors sometimes that they like don't do as much. Yeah, he took a break from acting to go to college and then kind of has only had a handful of credits since then and currently runs a Brazilian jiu-jitsu and MMA dojo in New Jersey. Of course. Oh, there you go. Trailers? Trailers. Yeah, yep. There were, there were a few. They were long too. There's some interesting things in trailers. Okay. Starting with Kiss of Death. You want a little air on this? Give me some names. There's no way on God's green earth that you can tell me that you did not know the guy who got you into this mess. I've got no reason to lie. Everybody's got a reason to lie. Whatever doesn't kill you makes you stronger, right? Whatever don't, whatever doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Whatever don't kill you. I like that. Did you ever hear about little Junior Brown? It looks like little Junior's moving up in the world. Cars, drugs, guns. He's buying everything he can get his hands on. Big Junior. That's one of those expressions like jumbo shrimp. Oh my, the cars. Yeah, I take them all. Except that Explorer. What's the matter with the Explorer? It's red. Red's my bad luck color. I ain't got nothing to do with red. Are you a man of honor? Sure. 24. If I serve him up. Jeez, what you been eating? What you say to me now, you will cut me loose for all time. Absolutely. Do you want my hand on it or something? If you take that wow one more time, I'm personally going to beat you to death. Maybe the next time you lay a hand on me, it won't be such a one-way beating. Ronnie, I want you to listen to this. An oldie but goodie. The time has come for everyone to clean up their own backyard. Hey, the pace is too heavy. This mother smells scared, Junior. I can do nothing, man. You got something to say. I will do whatever I have to do to protect me and mine. Don't push, all right? It's been a hard week. All I want now is what I had in my life before you and them. Now is not the time, my man, but I'm going to see you real soon. See me now. Tomorrow, just come by the bar. We should have a conversation about life and stuff. With Nick Cage, David Caruso, Stanley Tucci, Samuel L. Jackson, Helen Hunt, and Ving Rhames. 
The guy from Murder One. Oh, Stanley Tucci. Yeah, he's in Murder One. The Tooch. Yep. Yeah, so it's a, a modern era noir loose remake of a 1947 film, and I've never seen it. But Nick Cage looks like he's doing Nicolas Cage things. The fucking cast just kept like getting bigger and bigger. Yeah. Like it, it was such, it was unbelievable. Was this before Nick Cage was Nick Cage? Oh, I'm going to talk about that in a minute. Oh, okay. Stay tuned. <laughs> PCU pit party? You might think you know about school, but I got something to say to you. What are you, a narc? No, no, I'm, I'm a pre-frosh. I'm a missions arranged for me to uh, spend the night at your frat. Well, here's all you need to know. Classes, nothing before 11. Beer, it's your best friend, you drink a lot of it. Women, you're freshmen, so it's pretty much out of the question. It's a whole new ball game on campus these days, and they call it PC. Politically correct. What happened to the ozone layer? It was last week. Oh, now it's me. Let's do lunch. Pride of the Port Chester Sports Program, Tom. Hippie Olympics. Hey, it's the 90s. We'll take what we can get. Gays in the military now. Free Nelson Mandela. They freed him already. Ladies and gentlemen, I think it's time to revive an ancient tradition we seem to have long forgotten. You guys are talking about a party. Meet Dave and Dave are on beer. Dawson and back. Sunroof. All right. What's everybody doing? Fishing your feces, buzzhead. What? Am I okay on that side? That's good. Play Metallica and they will come. PCU Pit Party. Yeah, wow. Yep. That was... It's got the guy from Entourage in it. Jeremy Piven, Ari Gold from Entourage. It also has yep. Megan Ward, Alice Stilwell, Jack Death's wife from Trances 2. Uh, ah. Yeah, who would have... Like, I keep forgetting there's a period in our history where, like, college movies were a thing. It's like, that was real-life college. And if it was, fuck America, man. <laughs> what well, is a satire? Um, also in that movie, director of Iron Man and yeah, The Mandalorian yeah. and chef John Favreau as Gutter and also David Spade with a special appearance by George Clinton and Parliament Funkadelic, who are not in the trailer. This is one of my movies as a teenager. All right. I've seen this movie, I don't even know how many times. It's like American Pie before American Pie. It is, yeah, kind of, but yeah, yeah and no, but yes. Directed by Hart Bochner, who is Ellis, the coked up executive in Die Hard. Yes. And this is before that. This is before his part. After Die Hard. Die Hard's 1986. Ah, yeah. oh, fuck. Okay. Wow. Okay. Matt Dillon and Danny Glover in The Saint of Fort Washington. What's your story, boy? I don't have a story. Okay. Every man got a story. You're born on this planet, ain't you? On the streets of New York. <laughs> you think everything honky donky. Check don't come in. You're only a couple of months short of home. Two men who have nothing. Bring home 24 bucks today, man. How you do? I don't know. Lost count. Are about to discover a fortune in friendship. Right here, boom. First rocket economic left. 
All it takes is someone to show you the way. They gotta take responsibility for his own money. Whisper trailer. This whole trailer was whispered. <laughs> Did you not see how like the other ones were like, oh my God, this amazing thing is happening. We're all excited. And then this trailer was this summer coming to your screens, Matt Dillon in an emotional epic. Well, it's a different, it was a different vibe. It was a different vibe. For sure. <laughs> yeah, it's totally different than the previous two movies. Yeah. yeah, it's a feel good drama about the friendship between two homeless gentlemen. Uh, critical success, but didn't make a, but didn't make a lot of money. From Tim Hunter, who directed a movie called River's Edge, which is most definitely on the list. And from Steve Wang, a movie we talked about on the Drive episode. I'm now so excited to see it. Drive a Dark Hero. There is a line between good. Let the man go. Yeah, right. And evil. Between light and darkness. Don't kill me. Sean Parker. Has crossed that line. He's been drawn here by a power. Everybody here knows what we're digging for. By a force. I see it in my dreams and I put it down on paper. He doesn't understand. Who are you? The Giver, he's here. I know you got claws you ain't showing. I'm not the one with the claws. I've been here in another hour. Or shall I send someone with more experience? David Solid Snake Hater, the bloody sequel to the children's film Neutronics, aka Guyver. Fuck, man. This is incredible. I don't know why I haven't seen it before. Are we going to see it on the on pod? Oh, it's on the, totally on the list. Fucking thank God. It's amazing. Yeah, I think you've mentioned it before. Yeah. Well, we, um, we talked about it at Drive, and I, yeah. Yeah. It is so power rangey. So power rangey. But also <laughs> more dope. I told you it's violent Power Rangers. It's gory Power Rangers. Yeah. It's, it kind of had Predator vibes too. Predator and Venom vibes. Trapped in Paradise. 20th Century Fox would like you to meet the Furbo family. Dave. Once released from this prison, I, much like my reptilian brother, the pterodactyl, shall fly high above thy problem. Alvin. Excuse me. Huh? The sign says take a pen, not take all the pens. <laughs> Bill. 
Look at that abandoned car. <laughs> My car. Oh. They're ma. Beautiful dreamer. Hey, Edna, I was like to ride your trunk of the car. Edna, Edna, are we sleeping together? I think not. One big temptation. Forget it. Forget what? There's no money in the hall. And what have we here? $275,000. One brilliant plan. <laughs> It's a silly comedy. A Christmas crime movie starring Nicolas Cage, John Lovitz, and Dana Colby. What the fuck was going on with this movie? Do we know if this is before Nick Cage is Nick Cage yet or what? Okay, here's where I'm going to talk about that. Okay, so <laughs> Trampton Paradise actually comes out before Kiss of Death because the ad for Kiss of Death is a coming soon to movies ah. to the theater ad. And then this is the movie he made the year, year before. In this era of Nick Cage, he had been kind of a kind of rising star a little bit in the 80s, a kind of handsome weirdo, but he had slumped into kind of comedies like this until after this movie, he shifts gears with a big swing in Kiss of Death in 1995. Fuck yeah. He would also then make Leaving Las Vegas, for which he won Best Actor at the oh, Oscars. I fucking love that movie. Which he parlayed into becoming a fucking action star. And then he made The Rock, Conair, and Face Off. My man. That's fucking incredible. Yeah, it's amazing. And Talking that about- turned him into the Nick Cage that we think of think of today. Talk about a man who just wants to be a star and will fucking work and work and work. That's Nick Cage, man. Yeah, as I've kind of talked about before, I have massive respect for Nick Cage, even if I have limited tolerance for his acting histrionics at times. I have unlimited. (laughs) I love his wackiness. Alien Nation, Dark Horizon. Five years ago, they landed on Earth. Now, from the director of Short Circuit 2 and the TV series V, comes the thrilling sequel to Alien Nation. Coming to enslave us again. I've been sent to facilitate the recovery of our slaves. I also plan to take the humans. Prepare yourself for an all-new invasion in Alien Nation Dark Horizon. Did you tell us this exists? Because when I saw it, I was like, wait, wait, wait. And then Ellie was like, didn't you watch this? And I was like, no, I didn't. And I really do because it looks fucking ridiculous. This is the TV movie continuation of the TV show. Oh my God, their heads are different. I thought their heads were different. You did tell us that, didn't you? It's completely different actors. Yeah, I saw that it was different actors. I just thought that maybe the sequel had different actors in it. It looks like a really long episode of Star Trek. That's what it visually looked like. It's the first TV movie continuation of the show that in Australia was just released as a movie. So it's just released on VHS. Right. It just appears in a video store and you go, oh, there's an Alien Nation sequel. With the actors being different actors, are they the same characters played by different yeah, actors? They're the same characters. Or is it a different? Wow. Okay. <laughs> it's like an alternate. It's like they re- think about it like an alternate timeline. Like they rebooted it and it has different actors playing the same characters. Awesome. Right. Okay. I, on the Alien Nation episode, talked about the fact that I was going to try and watch the TV show and I made it about halfway through the first episode and before I tapped out because it just much like I feel like we would have heard about it if you had made it through yeah because much like the crow stairway to heaven it kind of just feels like the fan film version of 
the thing that I like. So does that mean we won't be seeing this uh, Alien Nation Dark Horizons in a sequel week no, in the future? most definitely not. Oh. No, no, I got so excited about it. That's so cruel. You can seek that out in your own time. I give you permission to do so. But I don't want to watch it if it's not for the pod. Who's going to recap the premise of Ghost in the Machine? Um, I'll do it. Ghost in the Machine is about a serial killer in the internet. Is it the internet? And electricity and MRI machines and the telephone. <laughs> and sometimes fruit. <laughs> sometimes fruit. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Was that good? Yeah, that's pretty spot on. <laughs> I've kind of given up on this sex segment ever being good. So, yeah, good job. Thanks. The Blockbuster Entertainment Guide to Movies and Videos from the year 1998, the entry for Ghost in the Machine, <laughs> reads thusly. <laughs> this is a good one. An inventive, violent thriller about a serial killer whose electrocution coincides with a freak storm, transforming him into a sort of computer virus. Engaging thriller with inventive mayhem and wit, but scary and violent for children. Three and a half stars. Is it scary for children? It's a- better review than most of the movies that we watch get in this guy yeah i i just am confused about the too uh, violent and scary for children part like it's violent but is it more violent than other things that we've seen there's two particular things that i can think of that children might be upset by which we'll talk about we'll talk about yeah fruit related and we'll talk about as we kind of move through it i will say though it's on par with uh, I, I think, oh, what's it called? The one where a group of kids escape death and then death is looking for them in all the mysterious ways. I'm not going to name that movie now because I will name that movie throughout the, throughout the podcast. Uh, but it's like a modern version of that, right? It's the proto version. Yeah, 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 yeah. So Jenna Maslin of the New York Times did not review this movie. Oh, <laughs> bite every time. I'm going to bite every time because I have hope. I always find new and exciting ways to convince you that Jonah Maslin just changed my tone a little bit, had a little bit more hope, twisted a little bit, and then every time you guys fucking bite. She didn't see this movie. One day, one day she'll do a review exactly. of the movie that we are watching. And we're going to fucking party. You know what? Showdown in Little Tokyo, she probably did a review for. Maybe. Interesting call. Interesting call. I did find a contemporary review. Okay. In the Austin Chronicle from December of 93, Mark Savlov wrote, Exploring new realms of unoriginality, Ghost in the Machine begs, borrows, and steals bits and pieces from other, not all that much better movies, Lawnmower Man and Wes Craven's Shocker, just to name two, to cobble together a low-rent cyberpunk horror flick that might have been more aptly titled Max Headroom, Portrait of a Serial Killer. Uh, That last line is kind of fair. (laughs) I I ain't done. Well, Mark Savlov's not done. Freed from the tiresome constraints of his mortal coil, the killer is now able to pop up in anything from phone lines to microwave ovens, uh, exclamation point, question mark, bringing new meaning to the term Jiffy Pop, slaughtering innocents with gleefully wisecracking abandon of Freddy Krueger. No surprise there. Director Talley's debut was Freddy's Day of the Final Nightmare. And then skipping a bunch of recap, what's a poor widowed heroine to do? In this case, it seems the best course of action is to flirt with an ex-hacker turned cybersecurity analyst and create a giant magnet or something to that effect. You get the picture. Or maybe you don't. Does it matter? <laughs> okay. If, right. fair, I'm not done. 
jumbled, messy, and inconsistent with its film logic, Ghost in the Machine's cardinal sin is its complete lack of backstory. To wit, who are these people and why should we care? No answers are ever given or even attempted, with the predictable result being a one hour and 45 minutes of unappealing characters running around and occasionally dying with token computer graphics thrown in to pad out an an already overlong script. Ghost in the Machine gamely tries to hop on board the virtual reality bandwagon and only succeeds in crashing the net. Vicious. Okay, that couple of is, things. Yeah, yeah, okay. Couple of things. For starters, this movie doesn't run an hour 45 minutes. It runs an hour 35 minutes. The other thing is, she's not a widow? Yeah. She's divorced. No. She's not a widow. So when there are small detail like that that are incorrect in a review of somebody whose job is to watch the movie and tell us how good the movie is, and then no longer take that person's review entirely seriously, but I was very amused by the fact that it mentions Lawnmower Man, West Craven Shocker, which is on our reject list, and Max Headroom. Yeah. You tried to interrupt me a bunch of times with Brody. How about it? That review does a really good job on the later half to pick out the the problems with the, the plot holes, but I would say that doesn't quite matter too much to this movie. Because of the way I'm looking at it, you know what I mean, as what kind of movie I see it as. And it is just kind of, it's not in the spirit. You know, if we talked about like meeting it at its level, I think it's expecting more from this movie than this movie was ever going to give. Here's a take that I want you to think about as we talk through this movie, because I'm going to fucking eviscerate this movie, right? Yeah, because, rightly so. Because in 20, and not, and I don't even mean that in a negative way, right? I just mean because there's so much stuff in it that it makes you go, what the fuck, right? It's a yeah, what the fuck. 100%. Movie. Every 10 minutes you go, what is happening, right? That's the great thing about this movie. That's entertaining. And it is actually one of the things I like about this movie. But my, okay, ta- cool. but my take and the thing that I want you guys to think about is the fact that in 1993, when this movie came out, People didn't know the difference between electricity and the fucking internet. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. For them, it maybe doesn't seem as like ridiculous that those two things get mismatched in this movie. (laughs) Yeah, fair. Who had the internet in 1993? They don't even... Wait, I got something for you. Nobody says the word internet in this movie. Shut the fuck up. Well, they couldn't. They couldn't say this internet in this movie. They could the internet has existed since since the 80s. Yeah, but as soon as you bring it up, it's like, well, what is he traveling through? Internet electricity. You know what I mean? But the reason they say, never say the word internet is because people don't know what the fuck the internet is in 1993. Yeah, fair. I get you. I get you. Because it's like you, you would have to explain what the internet is, which other movies of this era do. Yeah, that would have been fun to see in this movie. I love that. <laughs> My backstory with this movie. I remember seeing the trailer for this movie a lot in front of VHS tapes, like we did on the front of Best of the Best 2, which is where we Mm. first saw this movie, which is what made me go to eBay and buy this tape. And what made me pick it. And I wanted to see it so bad because I loved Lawnmower Man. Really? Watching this movie, I know that I I must have seen it, but I literally, the only thing I've remembered about this movie was one of the opening scenes where they try to scam the guy out of the lotto ticket. Oh, fuck. (laughs) That seems like so long ago. (laughs) So this was basically like a kind of first time watch for me. Yeah, mad. Well, it's a first time remembering of this movie because yeah. I just did not remember this movie. First revisit. Clearly, I probably saw it once. Yeah. And then never saw it and then never saw it again. 
in terms of availability, you can rent actually rent this movie in HD pretty much everywhere that you can rent movies. Apple, Microsoft, uh, even Amazon Prime has got it for rental for like, at least in Australia, it's like five bucks for a rental, which I actually did so that I could watch it in HD. There is a German Blu-ray that's floating around, um, but there doesn't seem to have ever been a wider, more international Blu-ray release. So you can find it if you're, if you're looking for it. Cool band. Just go to just just go to justwatch.com and you'll be able to f- figure out where it is. And I guess then we should maybe talk our way through and go ghost in the machine. Yeah, we definitely should. We we open with the credits over pieces of a circuit board coming together. Neat graphics. And as we hear the sound of thunder, we fade into a long pullback shot of a house, the Yardley residence, and where we can hear a family inside getting ready for dinner. And a creep mobile pulls up out the front. He should have fucking closed those windows. Close <laughs> the windows because of the rain. Uh, yeah, too. but the windows were left open. Did you see that? The windows were left open, which does it is an easier way for serial killers to get into your home. It does help. Yeah. Inside of the creep mobile, we catch a glimpse of a shadowy figure checking an address book with some names that are crossed out, and this is the address book killer as we will come to find out later. <laughs> An address book killer. That, that alone sets the tone of this movie and the quality of the writing of this movie. Oh, what? how are they going to kill people? Um, he steals an address book. It's just such a stretch. It, you know what I mean? Thing. Yeah, They're I get it. A, I get it. In the 90s, every serial killer is going to have a gimmick. They, just, they didn't workshop it for long. You know what I mean? <laughs> Well, they tied. I think they tied into the movie. Okay. How many people did he do this to? Because people have a lot of names in their address book, and so like if you go through all of them for one person, that seems like a lifetime. And don't they say it was like been three years or something? They've been looking for him as well. So like he's had some. He's had some time. Yeah, I'd be curious to know how many people he has done this to. But they make it seem like because I think she the when they go to his house, someone says something about him having kept his address books here, as though there was like lots of them that he did. Maybe he doesn't do all of the people in the. It does book. make it. You're right. They do. <laughs> I mean, we're jumping ahead, but they do say there's lots of address books that the police took. And a local uh, gym, basketball gym, a guy is finishing up a pickup basketball game, and he finds a sad child sitting on his towel. And after asking him what's the matter, we find out that the kid's sad because he has a winning lotto ticket that he can't claim because he's a kid. The guy makes a <laughs> phone call at a payphone yeah. to check it out, but it's a scam that the kid Josh and his friend Fraser are running. Fraser's played by Brendan Adams, Jesse Hall from the Mighty Ducks. Yeah. Yeah, I thought he looked familiar. Yeah. Or was, I grew up with it being called The Champions. Did that have a name change? You're off with it as the champion? Yeah. It didn't change its name to the Mighty Ducks in Australia until Mighty Ducks 2 came out. It was released in Australia. Australia and the UK is the champions, which is a spoiler. Brendan Adams is also in Wes Craven's The People Under the Stairs, which is a movie that's on the list, a movie I love. And he's in The Sandlot Kids with Josh. She is one of the Sandlot Kids. They're all buds. Um, That's three actors. From the Sandlot Kids in this yeah. movie. That is also a movie that has two different names. In Australia, it's called The Sandlot Kids. In most of the rest of the world, it's just called The Sandlot. Still not as good a name. Brendan Adams stopped acting not long after this, um, but has come back in small roles here and there over the years in movies. This year, he's the narrator on The Resort, 
which is my favorite TV ah. show of 2022. Shit, have you finished that? Have you finished this season yet? No, no. we have not finished oh it Oh, my yet. God. We've been savoring it. So. How many episodes are you in? Uh, I think we've got two or three to go. So. Oh, okay. So shit's already started to get sideways. Oh, yeah, yeah totally. Yeah, yeah man. I, okay. <laughs> I knew it was going to go sideways. From the, I, I, my, my writer brain kicked in, and I was like, I actually guessed a bunch of stuff before it happened. Dude, I finished the season the day you guys told me about it, and... <laughs> I was like, oh my God, they're only at season four. I can't say anything to them. <laughs> Episode four. Okay. Well, when we finish, we can have a discussion about it. Okay. Anyway, they're using some uh, bullshit keyboard voice changer thing to scam this guy. <laughs> the guy buys it and offers Josh 50 bucks for the $100 ticket, which is like, dude, low ball. Um, and then Josh starts telling the guy a sob story about his dead mum, but he's a live mother. Terry, Karen Allen, pulls up behind and blows the whole deal. Yeah, actually, this draws into question because he talks about his dad and he's not in the picture for the whole movie. So I kept assuming, like, the whole movie. I was like, oh, the, the dad will, dad's there. He's just not in the movie. And then I was like, oh, wait, but she's fully seeing this other dude. It just didn't click with me, the whole movie. Maybe she has a conversation with her mother about her ex-husband. I yeah. totally miss that. <laughs> Brody doesn't watch the movie. Nothing's sticking to the slides. This is what I mean. Like, I was watching this as a movie. This is why people want me to fire you. No, 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 no. Hey, I watch the movies as movies. I don't sit there and meticulously go over the notes. You know what or I mean? I, to them or... I go for the vibe. I go for the vibe. <laughs> In the car, Terry's giving Josh a talking to, and we learn that his father is not around. Mm. They almost blow through a stop sign and get into a car crash. And it's just about, it's just a, like an early jump scare because it's a thriller. So we're going to put some jump scares in it. And God, this movie fucking tries to do misdirect scares. Way this movie has times. all the fakes. I love it. <laughs> I love it. Inside the Yardley's house, we open a really long steady cam shot on baseball and apple pie because, as we will find out, the address book killer uh, doesn't like uh, caring. Nonsense. Nuclear families. It's a weird hang up. Yeah, and we get a we did the long steady cam shot ends with their bodies watching TV arranged by the killer. That was pretty gruesome, hey. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's got some it's got some gruesome stuff in it. A little bit. Yeah, I appreciated the fuck out of it. It was a hard tonal shift. I really I I didn't see it coming. I didn't know that was this kind of movie. Well, you knew it was about a serial killer that ends up in a computer, right? So you had to assume he was going to do some serial killing. I mean, I didn't remember the trailer. I just remembered that we watched the trailer. Oh, my <laughs> the address book killer ends up putting his tools away into his murder trunk and crosses out the Yardley's name in an address book, and it's the last name in his current address book. And then he adds a, a family photo of them to a very thick photo album of his kills. So, yeah, he's killed a lot of people. Yeah. Did lots of people. And then at Computer Universe store, Terry's looking for a gift for her boss, Frank. Well, what's that called, Josh? Uh, desktop software? Hi, can I help you? I'm looking for a gift for my boss, Frank. Uh, what's that called, Josh? Desktop software. Right. Work around computers all day. I'll never understand them. This guy, my boss, he's very um, anal organized. <laughs> 
She doesn't it. understand computers, but Frank is anal. The store owner has just the thing. It's called the Paper Warriors, designed by anal retentives for anal retentives. My God. And he shows her how you can scan in and digitize your address book with the software. I didn't know that they had handheld scanners in the 80s. They did. That's actually how you used to do document scanning all over the place. Right. I thought that I thought that the the lift up ones were like the book looking ones were the first I think ones. There was probably a mix of them. And also there's no way that this thing works the way that that thing works. No. Because no, no, even no, no, now no, no, character recognition not. is still pretty shit. But you'll see that yeah. it's not character recognition. Didn't they just scan it and then have a scan? Oh no. It got transferred into no, boxes. It's like it does character right. it does yeah, it gets it gets animated into a into an online into an computer address book i will say though like this little bit is a sign to me that tells me that the movie knows what it is right and the movie is putting in little subtle jokes like like you would see in a normal comedy like oh this program is made for anal retentives by anal retentives you know like that's the tone of this movie on what having watched this movie i think three times kind of all Mm. the way through once once just regularly on vhs wants to do my analysis and then again and again in HD. Yeah. I have discovered layers of detail in this movie. I thought I was, I'm, I'm so glad you said that. Cause I feel the same. That we will get into as we go on. There is, okay, set up and pay, there is setups and payoffs to things that you would not notice in a million years. Interesting. Okay. I'm keen. But I, unfortunately with my brain noticed. But that's um, the thing. Like this, these little jokes are sprinkled throughout the movie as well. Yeah, so Josh Board has wandered off and ends up talking to a tech at a counter, who, of course, is just the address book killer. There is a sign underneath the counter for Microsoft Word 2.0. Hey. Josh tries to touch what ABK is working on, as I will be calling him from this point on. Grabs him. Don't touch that. You'll get a shock. Chill, homie. I love that. Oi. Where was Terminator in this? Because the kid feels real like Terminator 2. This is a this is a year after Terminator 2. Yeah, it got a lot of like young John Connor vibes. Yeah. <laughs> Josh kind of moves away and then ABK continues to creep on them as the address book is being scanned. <laughs> she ends up buying the software and Josh goes out to the car because there's a dude fucking staring at him and freaking him out. And of course she leaves without her address book. In the one store that you would never want to fucking do that in. Also. And how do you get to bring your address book with you when that was the thing you were interacting with just then? Also, how have, how have the cops not found yeah. this fucking guy if this is the way he's getting his address books? There's a common link here. At Dardanet, which may as well be the whole fucking internet in this movie. Yep. Outside in the rain, there is a convertible filled with moving boxes. and inside. A very sky damp Bram Walker is late for his first day of work, even though it's fucking nighttime. <laughs> yeah. Why do hackers always have to be this Robin Hood figure that's like, what is it, man? Why do they just always have this archetype? It's like, oh, they're getting rained on. I don't care. I'm just such a laid back good guy. You know, whatever. I'll stick it to the man, but I still have to get a job. Yeah. Also, like, Chris Mulkey looks like he's never touched a computer. That is an outdoor man. <laughs> so true. Yeah, he's not the, he's not your typical um typical cyber. What I realized from seeing him in this movie in the scene where he's like smoking on the porch, a bit of a snack. 
I said it. <laughs> I was waiting for you to, to be horny about something. Had to. His manager, Phil, played by Rick Ducommon from The Burbs, will cut in the Satan is your pal part here. I want to kill everyone. Satan is good. Satan is our pal. The Burbs. What show is that? Oh, really? The Tom Hanks? You know the Burbs? Oh, you're in for a treat. Sounds familiar. He's also in Die Hard. He's the power worker that cuts the power in Die Hard. Hey. He's in a movie called Little Monsters. He's in Gremlins 2. He's in The Last Boy Scout. He's in Encino Man. He's in Loaded Weapon 1. He's in Last Boy Scout. Whoa. All in these kind of same roles, hey. Yeah, always in small roles. Yeah. Always in kind of like tiny, memorable roles. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Phil has no sense of humor and he chews Bram out a bit so that he can mention Chekhov's particle accelerator <laughs> and also give us Bram's bio. Didn't he, wasn't he talking about another uh, particle accelerator? Oh, that's right. No, no, no. Sorry. You're right. It's the same one. They drive they a long way. The, they went to the same school together. Yeah. But except that, except that he got to play with the particle accelerator and Phil was busy pulling his pun. Also, I did computer science. Why are fucking programmers playing with a <laughs> particle accelerator? Man, this movie. <laughs> <laughs> Bram went to Yale. He's a hacker genius. He hacked the IRS but did not get arrested for some fucking reason. <laughs> we don't even explain it. No explanation whatsoever. It doesn't matter. Did, he, did, did they end up saying that he gave five cent rebates? I'll talk about it when we get to it. Around here, no one's going to treat you like a damn Robin Hood. I like you too, Phil. But I make it a rule never to date co-workers. <laughs> I do love that. I do love that line. We get a tour uh, prompted by an ADR felt line. So, Phil, what's your core business? I never pick them up. I never pick them up. The core business of Datanet, which is a computer mainframe company, is fucking mailing lists for the junk mail for that you could have yeah. already won bullshit. But also, it's the whole internet that's connected to everything. Yeah, we know everyone's addresses. Back at Computer Universe, ABK is smelling Terry's address book. We learn that his real name is Carl. <laughs> Carl is played by Ted Maku. I think that that's how you pronounce his name. He only has one other movie role. Oh, really? He's a working TV actor. He was a regular oh. in NYPD Blue for a long time and has done like one episode appearances on all of the usual shows of that era. Carl talks to his boss and says that he's going to return the address book because he's a good guy. He's the good serial killer. I feel like that's just going to get you caught because then this person is going to really have people. And really no, I know that he isn't going to return it. I mean, the, the boss is going to know that he said he was going to and then that lady's friends all die. Maybe the boss already knows. Maybe, maybe he does. And he's a bit scared of him. Terry's mother is visiting. Jessica Walter. Yeah. Jessica was she Walter. in a movie we just watched recently? No, she hasn't been anything we've watched. Yeah, she's at the house lamenting that her daughter is all alone. Yeah, Arrested Development, Archer. That's what it is. The new season of Archer just came out. Right, she's Archer's mother, yeah. Yeah. There's fun detail in this scene. She's passive-aggressive at cleaning after Terry. Fuck, I hate when people do that. There's all this like character behavior that tells you about their relationship. You get it from the dialogue, but you also get a lot of it from, from, the, uh, from the action. She tells Terry that she should get out and date more. And she's bought some pants for Josh that fit him, which again is fun because none of Josh's <laughs> pants fit him because he's wearing them in the style of the time, which is down by down on his thighs. 
Do you remember wearing your pants like that, Ken? Fuck. Yeah, okay. Josh is a little too much Ken before he found grunge. Oh, really? <laughs> it's a little too real for me. He's like all my older like siblings and cousins that I emulated growing up. You know what I mean? That's so funny because my, my brothers so and cousins So you used to wear your pants like that? Oh, definitely. And listen like R&B and hip-hop like he does and wear a backwards cap. <laughs> it's so funny the effect that how early you hit like your grunge phase. <laughs> Because I didn't hit, like, my punk phase until, like, maybe, like, year nine. Mine was high school. Like, when I got to high school, everyone was listening to, to grunge. Or, like, all the cool kids were listening to grunge and Nirvana, and that was... Really? Yeah, and that was what tipped me into into that world. But before then, I was a, I was a hip-hop kid. I was, like, into whatever was, like, popular at the time, because I didn't know any better. Terry is sorting through her mail, and the first thing on the pile is a you-could-have-already-won envelope from Datanet. I did not notice that. That's what I'm saying, man. Good pick up. See, the detail in this movie is of a level above what this movie really is. You it's know a what director. I mean? who, it's a director who is very much paying attention to the making of her movie, even but not the, the edit. script is the, no, 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 and and the edit, right? But the script is not paying attention to the making of the movie. So she had a bad. It was who was the uh, the director of this one again? It's Rachel Talley. Yeah, she so she was handed a bum script, really, and and not a good project. Is that what you reckon? No, I think that she took on a movie that she thought she could make something out of. Interesting. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the material's kind of weak, but you can also, like, you can make weak material if you want to make weak material, knowing that you can elevate it and bring your creativity to it. I'm interested to hear. Or if you want to, like, try different things or, like, sort of mess with some stuff like i'm interested to hear your opinion on on it's like why sometimes like big name movie stars will be in some really shitty western and if you ask them why it's because they wanted to do a movie where they got to ride horses yeah yeah i get you on it doesn't that. matter that the material isn't the best it's like sometimes it's something else that is drawing you to it or she just need she just wanted a job like she just wanted to work yeah also that it could be there could be a million different reasons why she made this movie I can't wait for the end of this pod when I hear your opinions about this movie, but yeah, sorry. She's also bought a VHS tape for Axel on dog obedience and safety drills. Okay. <laughs> I did also did not notice that. Well, it'll come back. Instant cut with this is ABK out in the rainy night doing serial killer shit, driving with an intense gaze, his dramatic score plays. At the house, Terry's mum asks about her ex and about how Josh is doing. And we hear very loud R&B music that involves an N-word slow. I thought it was, but I couldn't tell. And I couldn't believe that that made it past it. It's 1993. Far out. Wow. With, back with ABK driving erratically. He overtakes it into the oncoming lane because he's frustrated by traffic. Ends up having to swerve to avoid a wide load truck. We get a pipe rollover stunt. And as the car slides downhill on its roof he laughs maniacally this was the most fucking crazy shit i've ever seen because in such a creepy laugh (laughs) (laughs) on the vhs version it's like all black too so you can just barely make out that the car's upside down in a graveyard that's like the last realization so the car flips and you just hear this laughing you're like is he laughing while he's going through the car? And then it's going for too long. And you're like, what's he going through? 
And then the fucking tombstones appear and you're like, what the fuck is going on with this movie? This movie just like hit a hard left and then comes back to center. I don't think it ever comes back to center. So the car- <laughs> no, no. The car slides through a graveyard knocking over tombstones before coming to us to a stop. In the shot where it stops, you can see the pipe rail buried in the ground that the car is attached to to control its slide. I could not. I could not see anything. <laughs> well, I did. You actually can't see it in the HD version because the VHS is clearly the full front 35 millimeter frame. Yeah. And in the HD version, it is cropped down. It's actually cropped out of the 16 by 9. Yep. And then we get a fun kind of POV sequence of ABK being cut out of the car, put in an ambulance, and then taken into a hospital as a storm rages. In one of the flashes of lightning, you can see the shadow of the camera operator holding the camera sitting in the hospital bed. No. Perfectly on a wall for like 10 frames. Oh, dear. They rush him into an MRI, and in the control room, they're doing a uh, brain, a total body scan of ABK, and we get Richard Schiff, Toby from the West Wing, as one of the MRI technicians. He's in this movie because his brother... Paul Schiff produced this movie. I did see Paul Schiff, and I was wondering if that was a re- relative of 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 of. Yeah, of him. and then the storm just keeps on surging, surging that power. And at a power plant, we see lightning strike a transformer, and it kills our killer. Does it? Maybe. Or does it make him better? I think he gets electrocuted. And here we fucking go. <laughs> we get a shot of it. It's a ghost in an MRI. It's hard Frankenstein uh, vibes, though, hey? Well, yeah, kind of. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, it's alive, but not. And the smashed in face and stuff. Yeah, so we get a shot of his eyeball with the MRI tech checking him kind of composited onto his pupil, and then it starts to pull away. The screen smashes, and ABK is in the internet. I don't think that's how that works. Well, he's in the data net and uh, computers start exploding and we see a 3D version of his monstrous real face, maybe, that growls in glorious 64 bits. I kind of love this stuff. Kira, in the uh, in your picking of it, you said that there might be some uh, weird internet CGI and, and you were right. I, I, I got what I expected from this movie in that sense. Yeah, I kind of love all this being in the internet bullshit from these 90s movies to the point that I would love to write an internet thriller movie set in the 90s that still has all this wacky fake shit in it. (laughs) (laughs) Like that makes no attempt to be real at all. Just treats it like a 90s movie treats it. Do you think you could get away with that now? No. (laughs) Maybe it's a short film. We then get a glimpse of Carol as the camera leers at her bent over uh, in a pickup truck full of recycled newspapers, and Josh finds his new program stuck with Chekhov's magnet to the refrigerator. Is that like a mail-in magnet uh, program thing? I guess so, yeah. And he informs his mother that magnets can wipe a disc. Might be important later. Oh, uh, yeah. I forgot about that. <laughs> Carol from outside yells, recycling, and Josh starts to get himself correct. Pulling his pants down, putting his cap backwards, and he goes outside and hits on Carol, who's old, quite a few years older than him. And not interested. We'll cut in his terrible, terrible flirts here. You know, was your daddy a thief? Because he took the stars from the heavens and he put them in your eyes. 
Thanks. No, serious, Cal, baby. You're so fun. You know, I've been thinking that thing that we should kind of busy right now, Josh. So, like, he doesn't do a terrible job. <laughs> yes, he really does. <laughs> Okay, well, she brushes him off, and then uh, and then Terry embarrasses him by coming out and kissing him on the cheek, and he deserves it. <laughs> I, I'm I'm kind of disappointed Josh survives this movie because <laughs> he's fucking terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, yeah, it would have been way better if he didn't. Bram's working at DataNet, and we find out that the storm power surge wiped out their whole password file, so they're system has just been open for 12 hours back at computer universe a computer turns itself on and it's cartoon dog software guard dog software is chased away that's right by the password oh my god yeah <laughs> by by abk64 who uses terry's scanned address book to send her a truckload of lingerie with little notes like, I killed to see you yep. in these. Very creepy. Yeah. And there's some joking around with her boss, Frank. And then we, she can't find her address book. And nearby on a TV, of course, we get, uh, you know, news show exposition that Carl was the ABK, which we already knew, and that he would kill everybody if the person stole an address. But it's okay because he's dead now. Is this the first time we hear the address book killer? Or did we hear it before? This is probably the first time we hear the actual terminology, yeah. Yeah, and then DataNet, Bram asks Phil who Terry Monroe is because there's a hacker in their system searching for her, jumping around between systems faster than Bram can track him. The guy's good, not elegant, but creative with a mean streak. What is that, dental records? Yeah, it's because he is the internet now. So he's the best of the hackers because he is in there. And then we get this whole sequence where Terry tries to use an ATM and ABK drains her accounts and then looks at her through a screen. Yeah, that's not how that works. And they didn't have webcams back then. I mean, I'm looking at you through a screen. Yeah, but it's 2022. We have webcams. And you're not in the internet, <laughs> Ken. You're in the other room. <laughs> I'm literally two rooms away. <laughs> Josh is on the phone to his mate, Frasier. And tells him that he was searching around on his computer and found a great sex program. Oh, God. Wait for it. He says to Fraser, yeah, wow. this girl is so fine. I call her butt the onion because it makes you want to cry. I mean, I definitely heard that one before. It was new to me. <laughs> but still. Yeah, uh, but still. The game is called Love Corral. And I remember these kind of games. Uh, this existed back yeah. then? Yeah, there was this strip poker that, that I had on Commodore 64. Of course you did. That was about the same quality as this. And uh, Josh gets interrupted by an incoming email that takes over his whole screen. And it's not email. It's a fucking chat window that opens up. Yeah, because that's not how email ever worked. Thank you. I'm getting an email. Who knows my number? And we're just going to chat back and forth with, that's not how it works. (laughs) I love how this is a movie based on internet and computers and having smart people in them, yet the smart people in them don't know the right terminology and what things are. Because nobody knows. The computer doesn't know. The computer's saying it's email when it's clearly instant message. (laughs) It just comes up with a window, email. (laughs) No client, no nothing. I still have my first email address. Me too. I still have my first Yahoo email address from from 1997. Mine's from... I don't know, 2001. Any embarrassing names? 
a friend of mine that that uh that Kira knows. He's um his email address was Johnny Hotcomb at hotmail.com. <laughs> no. Yeah. Mine was almost as bad. Mine was almost as bad. It didn't have anything sexually explicit, but it's it was Big Mac for you. How fucking bad. Oh, Birdie. So How old bad. were you when you created your email address? <laughs> I don't fucking know. I don't remember what I said last week. I can remember what age I was when I made it. Dude, if I was thinking about this the other day, if I had to recount when I saw certain movies and how they were pivotal to me at certain ages, I flat out could not do it. It's so impressive that you can remember when you saw all of these movies. It's easy for me to figure out because I don't know how old I was the year it came out. And genuinely, I saw these movies the year that they came out or the year they came out in Australia. So it's actually not that difficult for me to figure out. I still couldn't do it. <laughs> Brody doesn't know how old he is. I only have so many hands. ABK is chatting with Josh. Josh logs off, yeah. but ABK keeps sending messages and then asks him to, don't be afraid. to touch the screen. Yeah, what's going to happen if he Was had... Was he just going to flat out electrocute him? Nothing could know. possibly have yeah. actually happened, right? Though this movie doesn't know how the internet works. Maybe if you touch your screen, you'll be inside it. But... It is possible. He does reach out to touch the screen and then we get a mum fake out jump scare because she's standing there and she confronts him about the fact that somebody has rung up a $700 bill on one nine hundred numbers and she wants an explanation. A one nine hundred numbers. <laughs> Sorry, I have to ask this. It's like porno. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. He says he says if I've done seven hundred dollars in twenty four hours, I'd had laryngitis. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it was Axel. He helps everything that moves. She takes his phone away so that he can't dial up to the data net. But somehow a new message is filling his screen. Only the good die young, which never comes back. It has no meaning either like is he good or is he bad you know what i mean does he even know who he's talking to does he know that he's talking to cora or does he think that he's talking to the mum? abk abk is reaching out to josh josh i don't know why i called him cory then <laughs> because he's such a cory <laughs> i guess yeah terry goes back to computer universe to ask if anybody's seen her address book and learns that she barely avoided being serial killed as this was abk's last place of employment and when she goes home, she's thrilled to be alive, thrilled not to be killed, and hugs Josh, who's eating a pile of Oreo cookies that are spread across the kitchen bench. Who the fuck does that? That's not that many. That's a completely normal number. No. no. Where's the packet? <laughs> pretty sure. Pretty sure you eat one packet every time you sit down with it, right? And that's what you do. I don't eat Oreo cookies. You get a big glass of milk. And then just eat the whole packet. I don't drink milk. I love milk. <laughs> I love me some Oreos. It's mm. weird. It's from cows. You're from cows. The doorbell rings and it's Bram from Datanet. It's a mainframe computer company. He confuses her with a bunch of computer talk and then reads like all of her shit to her, including her arrest record from that time that she was protesting against Richard Nixon. Teresa Margaret Monroe arrested April 1972, Washington, D.C., civil disobedience. What the hell is this? Not a Nixon fan, huh? I was at that same demonstration. Were you one of the girls who jumped naked into the reflecting pool? I was the same protest. <laughs> he asked her if she was one of the girls that got naked and jumped into the reflecting pool. This movie is horny on a Brody watching a roadhouse level of horny. <laughs> Shut up. Nah. Which is my new standard for horniness. 
Stop saying horny. I'm just an appreciator of the human form, okay? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but honestly, yeah, this is a kind of inappropriate thing to ask. Yeah, there's a lot of like inappropriate things to ask that are in this movie, excluding one that's coming yeah. up later. Josh is amped. It's the Bram Walker. He knows who he is. He's a mini computer nerd. Did I miss that his name is Bram? Yes, yes his name did. is Bram. I've been referring to him. I thought it was Brian. I've been referring to him as Brian the whole episode. I just thought it was accents and me not hearing it right. Bram. Okay, cool. There's some old school horror elements just dripped in there as well. Terry says to Bram that this is some hell of a trade off. You give us Ticketron and bank machines, but then we get some sort of big brother who keeps a record of every time you sneeze. Paranoia is underrated. That's too real. And then Josh tells us that Bram infected the IRS with the Herpex virus, which, okay, and gave everyone in Rhode Island a five-cent return. A five-cent return. Maybe that's why he didn't get into much trouble because he didn't do too much damage when he could have done more. That would still be a lot of money. Uh, And we also find out that Terry shoplifted when she was 17 and was also a member of the Davy Jones fan club. Because everything is on the internet, apparently, in 1993. Yeah, even joining a fan club when computers went around when you were a girl. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, that makes no sense, does it? Yeah. Bram wants to know if she's ever done anything to piss off a hacker, like rejected nerd in high school. And then he leaves his number. He sounds like a rejected nerd from high school. He seems to, like, suddenly need to go. Like, he was into this conversation and then he's like, Okay, I have I have things to do. Goodbye. Here's my card. It seemed it was a bit seemed a bit abrupt. Yeah, I thought that as well. I mean, obviously it's just to move the scene along, but like maybe it's just because like he was there to just go, Oh, just so you know, someone has your deets. Is it or is it because Bram is the real killer and he invented the serial killer in the computer? Oh my god. No, it's not no, at all. That's not it at all. We then dramatically zoom into a printout of her address book to see her boss Frank's name. And at Frank's house, dun, dun, dun. he is selecting from a vast array of frozen meals for, for his dinner and uh, does a little computer work while at microwaves. Man, I don't know if you all feel this pretty hard, but like I had I had some years alone selecting through the frozen meals in the freezer. Mm, yeah, okay, this one tonight. Yeah, ramen flavors. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> A lone man's diet. <laughs> the easiest meals. Mild or spicy? I mean, you would always go with spicy. Why did you even buy the mild one? <laughs> I don't know, because maybe they were on special. Doing a little computer work, Frank logs in remotely to the office where we zoom into a fucking tape darted bank spooling up and enter the data net, maybe. Because it could just be electricity because, yes, this movie doesn't seem to think they're the same thing. ABK watches him through his screen and then travels down a fucking power cable through the house and then out of a power outlet into a microwave. Ghost in the electricity. Where he turns up the heat. Some of this stuff is very, like, following the cables is very Fight Club, very Panic Room David Fincher, six years before he would do that stuff. Interesting. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Frank smells smoke, goes to check, opens the microwave, which is turned up so high the entire room becomes a microwave. Yep. Because that's how it works, guys. And then there is ghost in the fruit. 
popcorn explodes, eggs pop, bananas get loose of their skins, mustard explodes. There's some cool, gruesome shit that happens. And I was wondering, like, do they have them in a microwave that they can film through? Or what is, what is going on with the bananas and stuff like that? That's just effects work. That could be like air bladders. It could be like air blowing the, bana- the thing through. Uh, Popcorn's not popping in the box. It's just being like blown out of the box. There's probably little charges in the eggs. It's all just like fun effect, fun effects work. This movie has fun, eff- fun effects work in it. It's it does. Some of the stuff though, I was like, oh, maybe they made a microwave rave screen that they could like film through and then just like put it on. Well, when they come out of the power socket, it's probably an oversized power socket. Ah! Holy fuck! I didn't even realize that was going to be difficult to do. There's some fucking great oversized prop work in this movie that I will continue Mm. to talk about as we keep moving forward. Well done! That blew my mind. I didn't even think about that. Frank bubbles to death. It's fucking gnarly. Yeah, poor Frank. Yeah, I guess there is some gross stuff in this movie that could scare the children. Yeah, I really like it though. I think it's a cool effect. I think I just came away from the movie feeling like it was so ridiculous that it, that when you read that review at the beginning, I was like, it wasn't that bad, was it? But no, you're right. It was at points for children. You know, the last time I saw effects like old Frankie boy happening on screen was probably Idle Hands. That has some very similar effects work in it. It's on the list. Dope. And then we get a fun transition from Frank's bubbling blood to static on a computer monitor as the ABK crosses Frank's name off his virtual address book. Because you have to visualize that. You can't just do that. And then uh, Frank's funeral gets kind of weird as ABK infects the Dardanet connected crematorium stove. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love this. Spits Frank's coffin on fire out of the crematorium chamber and his charred corpse launches at Terry, but it's okay because it was just a nightmare. <laughs> I was, I really was let down by making that a dream. Which portion, what portion of it is real? <laughs> yeah, well, I assume the whole funeral. And in the waking world, Terry pays off Carl's landlord so that she can take a tour of Carl's murder hovel. Yeah. She really wants that address book back. <laughs> Go to the cops and ask for it. <laughs> this is where we get the stuff about how, uh, like, the caring systems or whatever, however they phrase it. I should have written it down, but I didn't. But that Carl was against. And he was a genius on computers, which is helpful if you end up in one. I would yeah. Assume. It'd suck if you were a computer illiterate and ended up in the internet. Where's my tab? <laughs> <laughs> I think we can uh, fly past this emotional uh <laughs> motivation for our killer because they certainly fly by it in the movie it's like all of two seconds i didn't even write any of it down yeah yeah the landlady's weird also carl Carl has a magazine rack in his room which looks like one from a doctor's office which is also very strange small detail yeah (laughs) good pickup josh convinces his mother that she should go on a date with elliot this is the first time that we've ever heard this fucking guy's name yeah well, he just needs her out of the house. Yeah, he wants her out of the house. He teases her about her style, tells her she's not getting any younger, and fuck this kid. <laughs> she ends up leaving and going out on a date out of fucking shame. And yeah, <laughs> and Josh sneaks out of the house to meet Fraser at the mall. In the Dardanet, ABK has found Terry's home address. All this shit in between kills, man. Really, like this movie, the shit thing about this movie is it drags between really fucking good 
and really fucking slow as shit. This sequence is fucking wild, right? Okay, so we get a flying shot that travels down power lines and into the house, indicating that ABK is traveling using the electricity. Oh, wait, is this the animated one? Well, no, this is real. Okay. We get a shot following power lines, and it's a model shot. Cool. I can't even picture I can't even picture it, which too bad, because it's fucking great. <sighs> ABK Damn. makes the phone ring. We hear an old dial-up internet sound. It's a ghost in the telephone. And he uses the 3D house plans that he has found in the internet to find a breaker box and starts flipping breaker switches on and off. Again, you can't do that, can you? <laughs> no. <laughs> Not unless they're internet enabled the way that things are now. Yeah. He turns on the VCR where the dog obedience tape from earlier is in the VCR. And they're up to the learning to sw- swim section for dogs. Ah. Yeah. Let's pull one out for my boy. Axel puts his paws up on the table and wags his tail because he's interested. In the HD version, you can see that Axel is tethered to the table to make him stay Aww. there. ABK fires the VHS tape out of the VCR at Axel so that he runs outside where he goes to the pool and goes, oh, I just saw a great program about dogs swimming. (laughs) Uh, Puppy wasn't even in the address book. Everything else in this movie is totally fine. You can kill everyone, but don't fucking kill Axel. Don't hurt the puppy. Puppy's not in the address book. Fuck you, ABK. I feel no qualms or say it doesn't bother me at all. You have no soul. Yeah, I know. I'm evil. I understand. Terry looks bored as hell on her date at the jazz club with Elliot at the arcade called Satan's Video Inferno. I did not pick up on that. It only appears in text when the ABK finds the arcade. Oh, okay. Josh signs in using a digital signature to play Virtual Reality Nightmares, one of those VR ring games set in an MC Escher landscape. Did VR like this actually exist? Yes, it, that's what VR looked like in the in the early 90s. It's the same shit that we saw in Drive, right? Like we saw one of these exact rings in Drive used as a prop. Malik got inside it and fought in it. But yes, you used to get on with his giant. I thought fucking it was just a things. prop. No, those things. That's what virtual reality was in that in that era. Interesting. Even the game okay. is accurate to what virtual reality games were like in that era. And we get a VR sequence. We get in, where he infiltrates the game and creeps around, and their heads are pasted onto their VR bodies for some reason. It's a ghost in the video games. <laughs> as corny as that shit looked, it was. It was effective. Like it, it's cool that he's creeping around in their, even in their video games and watching them. You know what I mean? Like it's just a cool idea. He transitioned from the electricity to the. Are these things connected to the internet? Everything's connected to electricity, though. It's all just packets and pings, cans, zeros and ones. Uh-huh, sure. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I bet that's why we used electricity lines for the internet and not phone lines. They're all the same. Don't you know that? (laughs) ABK finds Josh in the game, screams at him, and then throws him so hard in VR that he, in the meat world, he falls out of his VR ring. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how. This shit would scar you for life if it actually happened to you. You know (laughs) what I mean? (laughs) You don't just forget about it. He ends up going home and then finds the pool cover closed. 
over uh, swimming good boy Axel. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and he always falls for the same trap by swimming under a pool cover and trying to Yeah, I don't know it. why he feels the need to do that either. And then, oh, wait. It's a good trap. Yeah, I don't think It's so. a good trap. You would never. Not. You would never swim underneath that. If you no. have a pool in your house. At least wait until daytime. You know that you don't go underneath that thing, the pool cover. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you could most likely probably get out of that cover by ripping it. You know what I mean? But the thing is, is it's a good, it's a good movie trap. Like it's a good mechanic. You know what I mean? It built, it has baked intention to what it is. Oh, the pool cover's on. Oh, it shouldn't be on. Oh, let me just go push this switch. Oh, it's, it got jammed. Oh, that's weird. Oh, I'll do, I'll be a good guy. Fix it. Jump in. Oh, I need to get underneath it to fix it. Oh, this thing won't come out. Oh, it's working and it's trapping me. You know what I mean? It's just like you know it's coming the whole time and it's just baked into the whole action. Yeah, I think this movie does a good job at kind of like building tension and then sometimes building tension and going, ha ha, I, I was building tension and nothing. I really love these parts of the movie. These parts of the movie are so well done. And like I was saying before, it's the in-between these parts where it's just like, you can tell they're like, oh, we've got to put a movie in between these exciting things. You know what I mean? Where they're just like, it doesn't really matter. They really focused on these traps and their kills, you know, but everything else is just like, meh. Also, there's some weird type of pull tentacle things that trying to grab him. I don't even know what the fuck they are. Yeah, they, they, I think they they're the creepy. creepy crawly things. Oh, it could be to do with that. But why are there so many of them? There's a lot of them. I don't and they know. act like they're human. Yeah. Yeah, they act like he can control them as yeah, well. Maybe he can. <laughs> anyway. Ghost um, in the pool. <laughs> I love that bit. Terry tries to comfort Josh, but he wants to be alone. So she goes to Bram's hotel room to talk to him about all the awful things that keep on happening to her. <laughs> She thinks maybe a hacker has picked up where ABK left off. Bram doesn't think so. There's no way anyone can kill anyone with a computer. Clearly he's not watching the movie. No, he's not. <laughs> just having that line in this movie it's just is the hilarious. Best. At work. She works at like TWA. She works in the office at TWA, which is a, uh, an airline. It might still be an airline. I don't know. I don't care. On the phone to Elliot, who's also at work, and he works in a crash... <laughs> A safety lab testing car crashes he wants her to come down and check out the lab because it's real cool i mean it kind of is i'd i want to see a crash test dummy, dummy dummy lab yeah i'd fucking and all the like slow motion cameras and shit would be like added bonus for us three yeah, it'd be a fun job abk is of course tracing the call he's always tracing the call you're right there are like this movie has like sequences that are great and then, yeah, the in-between parts are kind of, like, ludicrous to get us to the next good sequence. This It's a tension-building sequence where the movie has set up the expectation that something bad is going to happen, and then it doesn't. And so you just keep on waiting for the bad thing to happen. So ABK is trying to set up it so that Elliot is killed by the car that is attached to the, uh, the, the uh, crash testing. And every time it's just about to launch the car to kill Elliot... He moves out of the way from yep. being under the car to standing at the end of the crash zone, looking at a camera that ABK is fucking around with until he actually gets in the car. It gets launched and he lives because the car is obviously highly rated from a safety <laughs> point of view. That is, first of all, that is the best fucking possible ending to this scene. 
Yeah, it's kind of cool. Like, and it's the best fake out you could possibly have because it's not a fake out on the actual action. It's a fake out on the result. Yeah. Which is just fucking a brilliant way to do it. The button on the end of the scene is that he just gets killed by a fucking exploding hand dryer. <laughs> all this work was set up and then they don't set up the hairdryer he just pushes a button and it fucking explodes in his face this seriously this whole sequence feels like a skit you know what i mean it feels like it could have been an snl skit this whole movie feels like a skit (laughs) (laughs) it's true though but there's such lovely like yes there's some there's one or two gruesome moments that is like really schlocky horror gruesome moments, but the comedy built into this horror is so great. Yeah. Rachel Taylor has a like obvious, you can tell from her other work, right? From, from Freddy's dead and from Tanko that she has a kind of misfitty sense of humor. Right. Yeah. And this movie has a misfitty sense of humor. I think that she knows what she's, she's doing. I don't think this is a good movie, right? (laughs) but I think this is a highly entertaining movie. Fucking oath. Well said. And I think that she is self-aware enough to know that she's making a piece of a, a popcorn entertainment. But as you guys know, like my highest rating rated movie was uh, uh, Future Cop 2. Like these are the kind of movies that I fucking love. You know what I mean? Yeah. The other thing is, is that, is that the, um, this movie exists in the transition between the kind of great transition between, uh, you know, practical effects and more computer-generated visual effects. It's after Terminator. It's the same year as Jurassic Park, right? Wow. Yeah. So to provide you context, so the the technique in this movie is a is a wild mix of computer computer effects, models, oversized prop work. Like it is a gr- it, It's like it's somebody who's using all of the tools in the toolbox to make a piece of entertainment and so therefore from even just from that perspective like fuck like whether or not it's a good movie or whether or not you enjoy the story on a tech filmmaking craft and technique level it's using lots of interesting tools yeah for sure terry answers a ringing phone at home it's an automated survey she hangs up they call again same survey up yours again she answers it's abk I want to lick the tears from your eyes and taste your blood. So creepy. Completely normal thing to say. I'm killing your friends. I'm going to save her, killing you. Again, completely normal thing to say that we say to everyone in our everyday lives. Mm, yeah, I mean that's that's if more if that's what you're into. I mean that's you're how we say killer. hello to each other on the phone. <laughs> <laughs> she drops Josh off at Fraser's so she can go see Bram again. She came and score for the boys because Carol is there to babysit them and Fraser's little sister. <laughs> this gets fucking intense. <laughs> Terry and Bram are at a bar. Terry only drinks on holidays, and my computers come to life and call her on the phone. And Bram still thinks it's a hacker. Next in Terry's address book is Carol uh, under recycling slash babysitting. ABKE calls her house, gets her machine where her incoming call message tells you. The number that she is at, the phone number where you can find her tonight. Hi, this is Carol. I'm not here right now. But if you want to talk to me and I'd love to hear from you, call 555-2048. That's just tonight. Okay? See you. Was that a thing? Maybe so that she can book more babysitting jobs. You call her to set up a babysitting date for tomorrow. She's not home, but you can then call the number she's left on the machine and then book her for the next day. 
I love the being on the phone to build tension as well. You know what I mean? They're like absolutely. Yeah, I mean that's a in the scene. classic trope from from horror movies where someone's on the phone and doesn't realize that the killer. Oh, they do it in Halloween. Yeah, but you find yourself on the inner on like the inside while they're talking. You go, get off the phone. Get off the phone. You know She's what I mean? She's on the phone to a boy, but gets called waiting, so she switches over. ABK kind of spooks her with a dial-up noise because now he's inside the house. Literally inside the house. Fraser's little sister, who's a toddler, it crawls unsupervised into the kitchen of death where there are sharp objects hanging off every fucking counter. Just the least child-safe kitchen ever. I forgot. I forgot all the like close-ups of like, all the fucking dangerous shit. Electric, the mother is at fault in this knives, point. Regular knives, it's all, all pointing fucking... out and out point and first, slightly <laughs> overhanging the bench. It's like Kira had been in this kitchen. Hey, <laughs> but like honestly, as if this isn't a beat of comedy as well, right? You know what I mean? Yeah, it's like we're just gonna overload it with incredibly dumb shit. But um, Kira, question: Did you think after he off the dog? Did you think we were definitely about? No, to see I a baby figured murder? that 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 would not happen. That they wouldn't go that far because usually when oh, see, it got me. It got me, man. Like I was sitting in there going, he went. To I the thought dog. maybe the baby might get hurt <laughs> or scared, but I didn't think that they were about to kill a baby. I fully was in. I was like, no, don't you kill the baby. Don't you kill the baby. Come on. So he, she got me perfectly. ABK turns on the DataNet connected ovens stovetop as Fraser's sister uses it to stand <laughs> and a pot of milk boils instantly. It's a in an oven. Fraser's sister pulls the oven door down and screams, but it's another fake out. Yeah, we killed a dog, but we're not going to kill a small child. We're not monsters. Thank fuck. Thank fuck. I the relief I had after that. Like you guys, you guys watch more horror than me as well. So like you have you have you probably see the same things and feel the same things that I do, but you're like a little bit more numb to it, you know what I mean? Where I don't watch it that often. So when I see the signs, I'm like, oh my god, it's gonna happen. No, don't, don't you know what I mean? It was fun. I haven't watched horror in a while. Carol confronts the boys about who turned on the stove. They deny it, but she forces them to do the dishes. The sink's garbage disposal jams, and Josh puts his fucking hand in there like an idiot. Such an idiot. I fucking hate garbage disposal fakeouts. They're in everything, and I fucking hate them. They turn my stomach. We get a disposal point of view shot. Yeah, we do. An oversized drain and and blade. Uh... Yeah, that one one was kind of obvious. You know what clued me into that? The amount of space around the blade. <laughs> it was like a dark void. He does a fake out where he pretends that it got him. And it makes the sound Fuck like him. it's working. I think he's making the sound. No, no, no. We hear the sound of the disposal like grinding. So how did he do that? Just the movie faking us out. He didn't do it. The oh, movie the is, movie fucking, is with fucking with us. I see. The boys pay her $37.28 to see her unbutton her shirt. That's pretty slick. They're slick kids. As they tell her that they're hackers and can fix her suspended license. Yeah, bullshit. And they are so fucking excited for the show, which amounts to minor amounts of cleavage. Yeah. <laughs> they're pretty slick kids. And you know what I was thinking during this scene? I was like, 
Why didn't I get a babysitter until I was that old? Damn. Brody. <laughs> oh, Brody. No, no, no. I'm not horny on the podcast, guys. I swear. Sure. Is jokes. Is jokes. I didn't even think I had a babysitter. Bram has a list of names of every person that's logged into DataNet since this whole thing started. <laughs> and Terry recognizes the hospital, Southside General, which is where Carl was taken and died. How the fuck does she know that? <laughs> She's done some research on the interwebs. Yeah, if, I feel like I feel like she re- went full like white woman true crime kind of thing, and is just like following this story to the end. Darnet's version of Reddit, <laughs> and and Southside General run all their big machines, their MRI, their CAT scans, etc., on Darnet's memory, and then we get the line: "The killer died in this hospital, and it was plugged into your computer." just not how it works the point where this movie does not give a fuck about logic is right here you can pinpoint it where the full hacker like smartest dude in the movie like goes along with the theory because oh he died while getting a brain scan oh that makes perfect sense is it more plausible in 1993 when you don't know what the internet is or that electricity and the internet are not the fucking same thing? You still know that an MRI is taking like still images or like like not an... It's scanning your brain, Brody. And then we get ABK versus Carol. And yeah, this is so proto-Final Destination where like each step is like, again, kind of like the cra- the crash test, except, except different. It's like, what is going yeah. to kill Carol? Because we know Carol's going to die. What is it? She yeah. plugs in a kettle. She starts a dishwasher. Yeah. She plugs a portable television into an extension lead. She's uh, sitting there flipping through a magazine. He, she just keeps adding shit. And I love that. She just keeps like adding extra things to the outboards. <laughs> and you're just like, oh, what's it going to be? What's it going to be? I fucking love this death. This is my favorite death in the whole movie. She's flipping through a magazine and watching on, on television. It was a sketch comedy show that had a mostly black cast when that was a big deal because most comedy shows didn't have a black cast. Still a big deal, isn't it? Lots of members of the Wayans family were in that show. <laughs> I do love me some Wayans. It also featured early work of unknown comedians like Jamie Foxx and Jim Carrey. I forgot Jamie Foxx started out as a comedian. And Jennifer Lopez was a dancer on that show because the show had like musical breaks and performance breaks and she was a background dancer before she was Jennifer Lopez. So it was like a live sketch comedy or? Yeah, it was kind of, think like, kind of like slightly Saturday Night Live where it had pre-recorded stuff and like a a tape thing and then there was also musical acts and stuff and I think it was pretty short-lived. The dishwasher starts to leak and then overflows. The readout on the dishwasher changes from agitate to explode which it then does, causing the plug on the extension cable to electrify the water on the floor and kill Carol. The display then switches to die as a kettle whistle screams. So ridiculous. It's fucking beautiful. And on a computer screen, AB, ABK puts a, a, a <laughs> nice like, clip art love heart around yep. her name in his digital address book. I don't think he did this this scene justice. So it's it's plugging thing in, thing in after thing in, and then he like lets a little bit of the water out and then gets the plug to fall out. And then she picks her toes up off the ground. No, the, plug's on the, the plug's on the floor. The oh, is time. it? Okay, okay. But so the water starts to leak out and you're like, oh, he's going to electrocute her. And then she takes her feet up off the ground. You're like, oh, how's he going to get in now? And then he's just like, fuck it. Explode the whole washing machine so water's everywhere. 
And then her electric, her getting electrified. Loved it. It's fucking brilliant, man. I love these deaths. It's good fun. I think the deaths are fun. A ghost in the water. Ghost in the water. Oh, you got a bit this week. Yeah. I like it. Bram's having a heart-to-heart with Josh at the police station while his mother is trying to make a report, and they bond over. Ken, you're an outlaw. You don't get it. (laughs) Yeah. They bond about both being outlaws. The cops, of course, don't believe that a computer is killing people. That's a ridiculous thing to try to get the police to understand. Of course. Josh is, I guess, the first person to look at the address book page and realize that they're being killed in order that they're on the page, Josh. Yeah, so dumb. So literally, literally someone has just not looked at this page. <laughs> Terry's mother is next on the list. So they invade her house and unplug everything she owns. Not my curling iron. And then Bram is headed back to Datanet to track the hacker's next call. He's using Bramware. Bramware. His phone tracking program, Bramware. Terry leaves Josh with her mother so she can go and see Bram. Why did she not go with him to begin with? And in Terry's car, her Datanet connected car phone rings. Oh, <laughs> ABK is tracking her, but Bram's on it. He, ABK tracks the Datanet connected traffic light system, which also tracks every fucking vehicle coming into an intersection. Not how that works. Was GPS even a thing at this point? Yeah, it was for the military, but not for Yeah, right. At Datanet, split diopter shot. We see Bram in the foreground in focus, and in the background is a computer monitor showing a camera Uh, view of him that ABK has taken over. Bram has tracked down the call, but it's coming from inside the Datanet. (laughs) All the phones in the office start ringing. That's impossible. This movie, fuck man. And then in Terry's car, the Datanet connected analog radio turns on. It's a ghost in a car. So now we're not even playing by our own rules. Nah. But there's electricity in a car, Keen, so he can just exist in the car. <sighs> okay. Yeah. Okay. How did he get in? By the phone. Through the, through the phone. Yeah. Okay. It all makes sense. This is a very logical movie. ABK makes a song request. Super creepy. Oh, yeah. That was creepy as fuck, though. <laughs> the radio that Bram is also listening to, and the song's called... Well, Sit- I assume he tuned both of their radios to that station. Okay. Sit Tight Tonight by the Serial Killers. Bit bit heavy on, on the metaphor there. Oh, my God. Yeah. And then she, because of the traffic light thing, she almost crashes into a pickup truck. She Then she pulls a car phone out of its socket and ABK loses his tracking. They did um, a good fake out with the shot of the car, the ute doing the burnout to like turn away from her as well. Like they shot it really close. So it looks like there was going to be an impact. We also know that ABK is after the mother first. Yeah. He's searching the power grid for Terry's mother's house and he finds it. But nothing's plugged in and all the plugs are taped up. So he gets a big access blocked warning every time he tries a plug. Are they taped up? They're taped up. One of them, <laughs> wait, one of them yep. is blocked up with Q-tips. Oh yeah. my God. That's not a fire hazard. No, not, not at all. And because all the access points are blocked, maybe K needs a new plan. So he invents <laughs> swatting. Oh, fuck, he does too. Holy shit. Good Paul. Good Paul. But also, how weirdly real is this scene? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it makes multiple calls to the cops via their computers, and every cop in the city shows up at Terry's house. The noise wakes up Josh, who goes to warn his grandmother, 
who is using her curling iron by lamplight. <laughs> oh, no. Not my curling iron. <laughs> I didn't even realize. Terry's mother is fine. She's just in shock. That must have been very scary for both of them. That was bullshit. That was bullshit. She should have died. They both should have died. Yeah, I mean, we already know how I feel about Josh. But Jessica Walter is a national treasure and she should be protected even though she's already passed away. Those graphics of going through all the wires and being not found or or no access, is that good for the time? Because, like, growing up, I would see that level of animation on, like, shows. You know what I mean? Like TV shows. There's lots of – it's the style of the time. It's like – so the internet comes into into being. We need a way to visualize it. Somebody does it Mm. once, and then we just do it that way forever until we just decide to stop doing it. Right, it feels fashion. So, like, fucking hackers does this. Lomo Man does this. Um, Johnny Mnemonic does this. Like, there are so many of these fucking movies where where they visualize the internet in a way that is just fucking stupid with com- yeah. with computer gra- with computer graph. Yeah, fair enough. It's interesting that we did this one first, right? If I was like, let's do an inter- a movie where where they go into the internet this is not the movie i would have picked there's a i probably would have picked more more man that movie's fucking insane like this movie's insane yeah that movie is fucking insane i cannot wait wait till more more man 2 beyond cyberspace oh what is beyond cyberspace yeah you'll find out motherfucker <laughs> terry's house in the dark Bram explains that an MRI makes a record of all the electrical activity in a person's brain and stores no, it, it in it a computer. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. I'm telling you what the movie is telling me that it does. <laughs> and when the power search hit the hospital, it shot the killer's scan into the data net. It shot it straight in this there. This is, again, unprotected. this is a line of dialogue in this movie. You mean there is an exact impression of the killer inside data net's computers? It's not just an impression. I guess if you were were religious, you'd call it a soul. No. (laughs) But I'm not. But I'm not. So let's just say that the killer's in there. (laughs) And also, no, not from an MRI. It's just cyber witchcraft. This very advanced hacker doesn't know how the internet works. Josh wants to get a priest and exercise. I mean, that's as logical as anything else. Or... Send him back into the MRI, into his body, and then drive a stake through his heart. Compared to everything else in this movie, either of those scenarios could have worked. I would have been down to see some staking. Except I don't know where the, where his body is, and then that would be an adventure. But they can't just delete him, because when you delete something on a computer, it isn't actually gone. It's just hidden. That is good. Yeah. And then Chekhov's fridge magnets and Chekhov's particle accelerator combine to form a slightly bigger magnet that might be the solution. How cool is the uh, magnet toss, by the way? The <laughs> magnet catch was real smooth. Yeah. So the plan is that Bram's going to use a virus to corral ABK out of DataNet into the particle accelerator at Ohio Tech. The magnetism will pull him into the accelerator and smash his atoms to oblivion. I didn't know magnets had effects <laughs> on, on programs. Is he a program? He's a person in the computer. Is he a program? I thought he was electricity. He is electricity. Oh, and then the magnets would actually make sense then. <laughs> we get more um, 90s era internet visualizations. As we watch a virus infect the data net. So real crisp and it made a lot of sense. Yeah. And then at the accelerator, 
there's no security guards because it's a university. All they have to worry about is drunk college kids. We set up that the pointy end of the accelerator, which shoots the atoms, is exposed. Yeah. And I don't think it's usually <laughs> like that. I think you get atoms everywhere. It's not. Yeah. You need to also, like, keep throwing them around and around. And... To accelerate them, yes. <laughs> and we also learned that the control room is sealed to protect them from the magnetism, which will also become important. I just, I just really, yeah, I just really want to point out from like the last couple of sequences to now, Josh is just like looking up at Bram so hard. Yeah. He's just like, I want you to be my dad so much. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's just idol. like the whole time. ABK exits the data net into the accelerator to escape the virus. And then fuck me, his code or something shoots out into the real world in the control room. And a grid moves around and creates a physical version of him that can touch stuff. Liquid electricity, I suppose, has just been manifested. Um, this movie has such brilliant pseudoscience. <laughs> you know what I mean? Go for it. Like, hold on. We're going to make him come in real life just to be a killer for the last little bit. We need to make him physical so that we can, we can do stuff. How are we going to do that? We'll start spewing out things, then put a yellow, a green grid, and then we'll scan him like we're scanning <laughs> something 3D. And it's like, shut the fuck up. I mean, it makes sense. I mean, they did they did okay. Look, I've got to stop bagging on this movie because they did okay. Brody, Brody, Brody. He'll hear you. He's listening right now. <laughs> we're on the internet. Oh, my God. ABK starts shutting the accelerator down. It chases Terry after Bram pulls a gun. Oh, there's so much shit that happens in this fucking sequence. But I know, and none of it is necessary. Yeah, there's lots of moving pieces around, and I'm going to try to avoid doing all those pieces, but we still need to hit all the kind of, the, the, you know, the story beats. All it does basically is separate them, and they don't need to be separated. ABK starts the monologue, serial killer, dear diary shit about all the things he wants to do to, to Terry. Bram has no power in the control room, so he's got to go downstairs to patch it. Bram turns the accelerator back on because it got turned off, and then Josh leaps through ABK, smashing his digital pieces apart, but then he reforms. He gets electrocuted and then evaporates. Yeah, and they. it also starts to feel like they just beat him. Like, you know what I mean? Like, the pressure yeah. feels I don't know how point. you electrocute electricity. <laughs> I didn't even think about that. Bram fucking accidentally electrocutes himself. He's a clever guy. And then falls off a thing. Terry goes to help him, and the magnet in the accelerator is starting to power up, and so metal objects start to flying around, including Josh's dog tags that he's been wearing the whole fucking movie. Yeah, not the rest of the metal in the control room. So he has to pull them off. Well, the, the control room is shielded. Yeah. He's outside the control room at this point. Oh, that's right. At this point, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then his belt. (laughs) So he has to run back because his pants don't fit, because that's been a runner the whole time. He has to run back into the control room pulling his pants off. I didn't catch that. That's hilarious. When you're watching this sequence, sequence and Bram got to where he is by, like, falling, and then it takes so long for Terry to get to where Bram is, and he she still doesn't. It, Terry never gets there. <laughs> I know, the spacing of it all doesn't make sense. It's so wacky. Yeah, they're just moving <laughs> things around to try to physically make things happen 
and move possible, but it doesn't have any kind of real logic to it. We never really understand where people are in relation to, to each other. Like we once thought we on, at one point we understand that Bram is the level down from them, but then to, yeah, Terry goes to look for Bram. Does she go down a level or is she just, she goes downstairs. She goes down like multiple flights of stairs and Bram only looks da- like he's down one like tiny floor. If that, well, that's what happened. She got lost. <laughs> yeah. ABK reconstitutes himself in the control room. So Josh hides. Bram finally wakes up from being hurt and starts stumbling around. Josh comes out of hiding for some reason. ABK grabs him and then starts pouring his digital poison nonsense into his eyes, maybe taking him over. By this point, I think Terry had picked up the gun that had been dropped. So Terry, having heard Josh cry for help and having given up on finding Bram, is right there and, yes, picks up the gun. And starts running back. And when I started seeing... She picks up the gun in the room. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, you're right, you're right. Um, And with all the stuff that's like pouring into his eyes, I was like, oh, we're going to do something cool here. And I thought there was going to be a setup for a sequel where Terry shoots him and it shoots the boy, but he survives because he's got a bit of the killer in him. And then at the very end, we'd get like a, aha, I'm in the boy now, you know, and I'm going to be a killer. Killer is in his body, and then they have to figure out how to get him outside of Josh so that they can kill him. And then at the end, we get a tease that the killer is still inside Josh's body, but we just don't do any of that stuff. Yeah, I'm so glad you guys were on the same page because I felt like it was just me making a story in my head. No, it was there. I just didn't do anything. <laughs> she shoots ABK, no good, because the bullet just, his parts go apart and then it comes back together. So she tries four more times the exact same thing, same result. And that's five shots out of the six that she has. We get a gun POV shot that is very like first person shooter. Oh, I didn't notice. Before those existed. I didn't pick that up. That's mad though. Yeah. And then she aims at the control room window and fires the gun. It puts a bullet hole through there, but it doesn't do anything other than make a strange sucking sound because magnets make a strange wind sound, by the way, when they're powering up. Yeah, I'm not sure they know how magnetism works. Well, they probably don't. They don't know how electricity or, well, electricity and magnetism is the same thing, but you know what I'm getting at. ABK grabs them both, knocking the gun away. I'm sick of all this family values crap. Strange, unnecessary hangups. Such a weak thing. It's such a weak thing for the killer, you know? Bram gets back to his laptop, taps a button that makes the accelerator go better or go to max power. It pulls the gun through the weakened window, which is the solution to the puzzle, as it sucks APK into the accelerator where he is smashed into bits and explodes and all is well. It's a ridiculous movie. (laughs) All is well. In the back of an ambulance, Bram's connected up to a beeping EKG machine with Terry and Josh, and she asks Terry to turn the damn machine off. Yeah, because nobody wants to be connected to a computer of any kind anymore. <laughs> and that is Ghost in the Machine. And is a movie we watched that exists. An appropriate age to have seen Ghost in the Machine. It is rated M15 in Australia for medium-level violence, low-level course language. No, I was going to say 13. I reckon 12. 12 is fine. I reckon you could get away with it. Yeah. I mean, I think Ken probably saw it younger. if. I was watching it, I would probably have watched it younger and been fine. But, you know, it is kind of, there is gross bits and they kill a dog for no reason. He's not in the address book. Uh, I probably was like 12. 
We're getting good at guessing his age. <laughs> We're getting closer. A rating for Ghost in the Machine, the way that we rate movies, is on a five-star scale, with one being, I hated this movie, two being, I did not enjoy this movie, two and a half being, I liked parts of this movie, it was fine, three being, I like this movie, four being, I love this movie, and five being, this is one of my favorite movies of all time. Mm, I don't know. Three? Might just be a straight three. Yeah, I'm just going to go with a three. I had a good time all the way through this movie, even in the draggy bits. So I think just a three. I'm going to give it a 3.5 just because I, yeah. The thing is, is it's a terrible movie. It's objectively so bad. But I love the kills and they're not like Final Destination kills where it's just like, it's a little bit too fake and a little bit too um, cinema of our time because it has to have practical effects and because it has to have that little bit of realism to it because like, obviously they can't do these things, but like they have to use the physical things in the real world. That's what I mean by realness to it. Um, It just is a little bit more fun and I love it. Fair enough. I'm a three. I like this movie and I love this movie. Yeah. I don't even really love parts of it. So I'm a three. Would you watch this movie again if you're in free will? Yeah. I think it I think it's a I think it's a similar to a couple of them that we've done lately, which is that I would watch it with other people. If it was done, I'd watch it. Next week. The way that we pick movies is that Kieran Brody alternate taking picks from a list of three choices I have prepared from the store. This week is Brody's pick. If a movie is left unpicked three times, it's struck out and taken off the list, but though I can bring it back at a later date of my choosing, I have recently done that. So still on the list. This week, with one strike each, are the previously rejected Showdown in Little Tokyo. Showdown in Little Tokyo. Starring Brendan Lee and Dolph Lundgren. Showdown in Little Tokyo. I'm probably going to pick that. (laughs) Also still on the list is Sam Raimi's Darkman, also with one strike. The Darkman. Oh, fuck. I forgot about that. This is kind of weird because you can't physically look at it. Look at the tapes because we're not together. I know. I'm really disappointed. Yeah. You're going to be really disappointed because you're third choice. So. Oh, you're going to make him not picture that in Little Tokyo. I don't, even know, I don't even know why I do this. I'm just making my life worse. New this week, Brody, 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 is... I knew it. Bastard. Guyver, dark hero. Guyver. <laughs> you make me the villain which I bought you know people got ang- I bought between us watching Drive and now <laughs> <laughs> you know people got angry at me for not choosing Showdown in Little Tokyo you know Darkman looks like a, just a movie I personally need to see but how could I fucking not choose Guyver that trailer alone oh Gaver, dark hero, half man, half alien, all hero. Sci-fi's most powerful superhero. I would also like to point out that this is the complete uncut version, which is the only version that actually exists. <laughs> it has an extra 23 minutes that was only or not in the UK. Yeah, I think much like, um, fuck me, man, this movie runs, this movie runs 10 minutes under two hours. What? 
That's something to consider. You will have two goes at it. You will have two goes at it. Kira's trying to keep you to the plan. Remember you guys came up with a plan last week? Yeah, talk me through it. So they both have two strikes. Is that what it is if I don't pick Yeah, so I'll have another go at Showdown and Darkman next week. And then they're done the week after that, which is your turn again. So we'd lose one. So we'd lose the one. The week okay, after okay, that okay. would be your last um, chance for, for Guyver, but you would have then had a chance to for Guyver for a second time. Or if you pick Showdown in Little Tokyo, you know, I might pick Guyver just to be nice to you next week. Okay. If I pick Showdown in Little Tokyo, I'm not going to lie. If you pick Guyver or Darkman, I'm not going to be angry because I can still choose Guyver the week after. True. Let's go Showdown in Little Tokyo. Yay! We're so happy. You made it. You made it real tough. You made it real tough, Ken. I just knew that if we, if we left it to the last chance, he would put something that we can't resist. I knew last week that I was going to do this. Oh, you asshole! Really? As in, you knew Guyver, or? Yeah, I knew that I was going to put Guyver on the list straight away. I thought that you made that decision when the trailer was on this tape. No, 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 no. That was just a. Absolute Happy fucking accident. coincidence. <laughs> yeah, absolute fucking coincidence. The, the fact that between us seeing Drive and now, I bought that tape and then you picked a movie that has the trailer for that movie and it's <laughs> just like fucking, and then I, it was the week that I was going to put it on the list anyway. I When I saw, I lost my mind when I saw that trailer because <laughs> I was like, oh my God, I can actually just do this. We should have, we should have picked it, damn it. Well, this has been a nice time, Brody. I believe you owe us something. Yeah, I've been thinking about it while if you've seen me spacing out in the camera, it's because I'm like trying to have moments thinking of what my biggest secret or darkest fear is. And I have really mundane ones. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I'm going to have to think of them and maybe you guys can help me tell, like tell me whether they're shit or not. We should try another one. So I have, uh, I have an irrational fear of the dark. Um, okay. As an adult, no, you don't. I, I, no, you don't. No, it's not irrational. The dark is scary. <laughs> You're not scared of the dark, Brody. You're scared of what's in the dark. <laughs> but like, if I, if I like, the thing is, if I hear one thing while I'm like walking in pitch black. I will then my mind will start to build on what it is and what it could be and what could be happening. And I'll just get these like horror scenarios in my head, like a man chasing me with an ax (laughs) and I just can't help it. I just can't help it. I like, so there's this one time that I always remember as an adult, like a, like 25 year old man, I was walking up my friend's really long ass fucking driveway in the bush. And I just, about three uh, about quarter of the way up there i just started running because i couldn't stand being in the dark anymore and i got there had to like while i was in the like outside floodlight i had to like catch my breath so no one knew i was running and (laughs) and then walk into an adult house being like i am a normal adult who is not afraid of the dark whatsoever that's pretty Um, cute (laughs) i have as i said 
You're not scared of the dark. You're scared of what's in the dark. A hundred percent. And I mean, if that passes, that'll do. I've got I think, others I think that, that are like that. I think that passes, and then you can save your next one for the next review that comes. Okay, in. Okay, <laughs> perfect, perfect. I'm glad you guys approve of my dark fears. <laughs> it helps that you that you oh. ran up a driveway at 25 because you were scared of the dark. That 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 sells it. Don't like. Don't subscribe. Do not go on the fucking data net ever, <laughs> or it will kill you. But if you do, follow us at Weird Kid Video. <laughs> okay, well, this this has been interesting, doing this on the internet. Uh, we'll see how it turns out. This could end up being the lost episode, guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I would understand. And? Kira, would you like to? Ghost in a podcast. <laughs> Same, motherfuckers. No. What, what is internet anyway? Internet is uh, that massive computer right. network, mm-hmm. the one that's becoming really big now.